What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the TSK Show. I am your host, Eric, the Duke of Sports Squire. I am joined by my co-host, the one and only Mr. 360, Tyler Pacholke. Before we start the show, thank you so much for listening, everyone. Be sure to follow at TSK Show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you want to find myself or Tyler on social media, be sure to follow us at the Duke of Sports and at Tyler Pacholke. All of our content can be found on SoundCloud or Apple Podcasts. Check us out on Anchor as well, and we are officially now on Spotify. Just type in keyword TSK show to find us. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you decide to listen to the TSK show so you can stay up to date on the newest episodes of the show. On this episode of the TSK show, Tyler and I wrap up March Madness as the national championship took place on Monday night, and we crown the champion of the 2019 TSK show March Madness Bracket Challenge. Tyler has some harsh words for Antonio Brown after his social media jabs at former teammate Juju Smith-Schuster made headlines, and the guys also discussed Paul Pierce starting a war he can never win. After hearing what KD said about being a Nike athlete, I think it really hammers home why Zion should join Nike, and now that Lonzo Ball has signed with CAA, I think he needs to follow suit as well. Also, I saw an interesting theory on Twitter about how free agents should feel about the Clippers being a likely destination for them this summer. And to close the show, now that the regular season is just about over, Tyler and I reveal our end-of-season awards for the NBA. All right, let's start the show. Welcome get to the sports kingdom. What's up, TP? How you doing? Doing all right, man. A little better than last week's episode. It was a little more yeah uh, somber, so, but uh, slowly, slowly but surely getting better. Slowly but surely getting better. Um, but yeah. uh, no, tonight. I mean, it's D Wade's last game in Miami. Yeah, in Miami. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. We never know. Maybe they can pull out the miracle, win, win these two, and get into the playoffs. They they got to win out. That's but it's sure. the last regular season game in Miami, regardless. Yeah. So it's got to be got to be waterworks it's happening be in a Miami crazy right one, now for sure. But anyway, let's uh let's start with March Madness, and before we discuss Virginia winning the national championship uh, last night. Let's announce the champion of the 2019 TSK Show March Madness Bracket Challenge. In first place, with a grand total of 1,330 points, the winner of the 2019 TSK Show March Madness Bracket Challenge is Justin Lentz. So congratulations, Justin. Uh, he correctly picked Virginia to win it all. Yep. So uh, he had There was only, what, less than five people, I think, that picked Virginia. Which is, I mean, understandable. The team to to lose and as the as the one seed for the first time to a sixteen seed. Don't really think they're going to have the resolve to get it done. There were three people that had Virginia winning it all, and they were the top three. Yeah, because that that pick gets you so many points. Yeah. So uh, I mean, congratulations to Justin. We'll be in contact with you yeah. to get you your prize. But let's get to the game. Yeah. Uh, it was obviously so Virginia and Texas Tech, the one versus the three seed. Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, it was just. I mean, it again embodies March Madness to the fullest. I don't know how they always put on such a good show, um, 
but they, I mean, this one didn't disappoint at all. Overtime, the last time there there was an overtime game was the Mario Chalmers. Yep. Uh, three over over Derrick Rose's Memphis team yeah, to to win Kansas it. over Memphis. I can't remember. Was that shot to go? That, that was to go to overtime. I think it was to go to overtime, okay. and then the Kansas and took care of business in overtime. A, yeah, uh, that's that's how I remember it as well. Uh, so yeah, so it's been a while. I mean, that's probably ten plus years ago. Um, but the first half it was a three point game. Uh, it was pretty close. It wasn't super eventful. Uh, Texas Tech had a little bit of foul trouble. Yeah, they got uh, they got off to a really slow start. And uh and my guy that I, I forgot his name last week, but uh Jarrett Culver, he um he started off really, really bad. He, I think he missed his first eight or nine shots. I can't quite remember if it was the ninth one he, he hit. He was a total or, he was a total five of twenty two. He took twenty two of the team's sixty three shots, um, oh for six from three. It was a really bad start for him. He actually played really well down the stretch to get them into overtime. And and he did a little bit, you know, a little bit on defense as well, not just offensively. But uh, yeah, it was a tough start, but they kept it close. Um, both teams played super, super tight. Even though it was the highest scoring game of this Final Four, uh, it was still pretty low scoring as far as the first half, twenty nine thirty two. That's a decent pace for college basketball, but yeah, nothing too crazy. The both these teams like to shoot it in the last five seconds of the shot clock, so it was kind of a grinded out game at the beginning. Um, I mean, Virginia basically only played six guys. Texas Tech basically only played seven guys. And, I mean, they played seven guys with one of their best players, uh, Tariq Owens, in big-time foul trouble, actually fouled out at the end of the game. Um, but Virginia made it happen down the stretch. They hit they hit key buckets at the end to uh, to tie it. Um, their their big-time stud, uh, De- DeAndre Hunter, he hit a big-time three in the corner to push it to overtime. And then kind of like the Memphis game, they just took care of business in, in OT. They hit shots, they got rebounds, got stops, and, and ended up pulling away. Yeah, I mean, over, once you got up three possess, two, three possessions in this game, you could pull away. It just never really happened in regulation. Yeah, and, and over time, I mean, the, it ended up being Virginia outscoring Texas Tech 17 to 9. Yeah, because just, you know, once they, once they got up two possessions, then it becomes fouling, and then they yeah. had free throws, and... It's just tough to get back in the game that way because if you miss if if they hit free throws, you go down and miss a shot and they get the rebound. You know it starts to starts to balloon up a little bit more. But it was a great game. I mean, all three of the studs for Virginia: DeAndre Hunter, Jerome, Kyle Guy, all played really well. All hit big shots. Um, Kyle, uh, pretty sure Kyle Guy is Kyle's his first name. Yeah, Kyle. Uh, but he he won most outstanding player. Oh, okay. Um, just for his clutch shots, I, I think at the end of the Final Four game, and then again in in this championship game. But I mean, Texas Tech played crazy good. I think they were they were a little like out of, out of like a fish out of water. You know, first time in in Final Four. You know, historically a bas- uh, football school. Um, I, I just think the moment got to him a little bit at the end as far as OT and Virginia, Virginia had that resolve from last year. Yeah, un, unfortunately, I didn't get a chance to see see the game at all. I had to work. But I was pulling for Texas Tech just because uh the Nipsey Hustle connection uh, with one of their players whose dad uh, was part of uh, the beginning of Nipsey Hustle's career. Uh, but I mean, Virginia, the number one seed, they were, they were the most unlikely number one seed that people had going yeah, to the final sure. four and yep. definitely winning the, the national championship. 
Uh, but to, it lo- to lose to a 16 seed and then to win the championship is unreal. Yeah, they, they get the monkey off their back after getting upset by the 16 seed UMBC last year. And in this tournament, it was no cakewalk for them. They were down at halftime to 16 seed Gardner Webb uh, in the in the round of 64, so the first round of the tournament. They trailed 12 seed Oregon in the second half uh, in the in the round of 32, and then in Purdue they beat them in overtime, so that was a close game and a nail biter in the Elite Eight. And then obviously Auburn, the Auburn game in the Final Four, was one that. I think will go down as one of uh, yeah. the better and games. I, I think that all all those things I think is is points to coaching. I think that uh, Tony Bennett just out out coached his way to the you know out coached his opponents to the national title when yeah. games are close like that. You know he's not a they lost and they lost a player right at the be, right at the beginning to, yeah. to a leg injury. I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's like you know they they had the resolve to come back from last year. Um, like you said, get the monkey off their back, get to the final four, get to the national championship, win the thing. And I think coaching was the difference. You know, they obviously didn't play their best basketball every game. Like you said, yeah. they were they were behind in almost every single game. Um, every single game came down to the wire, especially the last four. So it's not necessarily like they were playing lights out. Um, I think that Tony Bennett's just that good of a coach. And a bunch of these guys are, are underclassmen, so they're going to be back here. Well, uh, next year, other than DeAndre Hunter, DeAndre Hunter, I think is a is probably going to be a first round draft pick. Yeah, and I mean some of the, some of the guys that maybe didn't even get the chance to play in the game uh, last night on Monday, uh, but a few of them were on the team last year and they experienced what happened losing to that 16 seed. Yeah, I mean, and I, and they came back this year with a mission to to I, win the national championship. I would assume there's at least ten guys that were on that bench for yeah. For both the the championship victory and this loss to the 16 seed, I bet there's 10 guys on that bench, and at I least, bet you there's at eight, least. I bet you there's close to I bet you there's close to eight guys on Virginia's team next year that have won a title and lost to a 16 seed. Yeah, no, which I makes mean, them pretty scary. I mean, Kyle Kyle guy and, and Jerome and and all those guys coming back, you know, key key players, guys that played over 40 minutes a game, 40 minutes in the game. Uh, you know, Kyle Guy had 24 in the championship game, so uh, and played 45 minutes. So, I think that they're going to be uh, a wrecking force next year as well. Yeah, and I think it's funny. It, you, we always talk about way too early predictions and stuff, but I mean, Virginia's got to be up there to be the number I one, saw, the, I saw the number some, one team in the country going I saw into some next rankings season. Going into next season, they had Michigan State number one. Interesting. Yeah, because I think that. Um, uh, the the Cassius kid, uh, Cassius. He's Winston. coming back. Yeah. Oh. And okay. so, and so I think that, uh, and then Tom Izzo, of course. Well, so. yeah. But and they got the homie Rocket Watts coming in. Yeah, that he'll be fun to watch. But uh, all right, before we before we move to all the NBA stuff, we wanted to talk about. There's a a few star football players making some headlines. Uh, Tyler, why don't you kind of break this whole thing down for us uh between antonio brown and his former teammate juju smith schuster yeah i mean i don't really i don't really know initially what started it uh like as far as getting antonio brown to want to want to post something about juju so what i what i saw was that someone on twitter was talking about yeah 
how the Steelers had voted Juju Smith the most the most valuable, valuable player, player. The, on yeah. the team. Okay, so so he basically just took a shot at him because of player voting, basically, and was salty. But I mean, I I got rubbed the wrong way. I like unfollowed him on everything, so I <laughs> thought it was some like the pettiest shit I've ever seen. Well, and he and uh, for him to post the it's when he posted the private conversation the DM. Of, of the DM of uh, Juju at, at USC. That's just like such a bad look. You, you're only making yourself look bad. No one thinks less of Juju for reaching out. Dude, he made Juju look respectful. Better, like better. he made and, Juju look great. Yeah, and Juju's done the right, played the right cards every single. Uh, and he's never know, once talked every, bad every about Antonio Brown in public. No, because I don't think he had anything bad to say about him until now. And I don't really know what the fuck's going on with Antonio Brown, but like obviously the money, you know, the money solidifies your your attitude of you know who you are and he's a confident guy but i think his confidence is tilted the wrong way now um it's getting in the way i think of of being right and wrong basically i, I think that was just like the wrong thing to do it doesn't doesn't help you anyway it only hurts you um but he you know he's the highest paid receiver in football he's 30 years old he's been you know dominating the league for the last four or five years so he has every right to be confident, but I don't think he needs to tear down Juju. Um, yeah, not not the right way to go about it. I just at don't all. think it was. Yeah, it's not the not the right way to go about it. Not the person that you need to attack. If your teammates voted that way, then there's a reason why. Um, if you want to attack someone, attack everyone. Don't attack the guy that they voted. Um, and to show the personal, just to show the personal text is like such a bad look. Yeah. Um, did you basically Juju sent him a DM asking him for advice on how to, you know, further, further his career. And this was when himself. he was, this was when, this he, when was he was playing at, SC. at USC. Um, and, and he posted it basically saying, you know, like he dropped just a, just a microphone. Yeah. It was kind of like mic drop. Like it, yeah, it no was one bad. really understood was, what was, Antonio was terrible, Brown was trying to say. It was a terrible, terrible, terrible look. I, I'd love to hear what his publicist has to say. <laughs> about all that because i think that was terrible and then um to piggyback off that story i thought it was really cool that um uh, bell i was just about to bring that po- up posted um his because i you know just being in that locker room and and how everything went down i have it up i if think levy on bell really i think levy on bell has always done you know he weathered the storm throughout this season as far as like a teammate goes levy on bell is probably a pretty respected guy as I thought Antonio Brown was until yeah, this happened. Yeah, until this. Um, but Le'Veon Bell, you can go ahead and read it. But basically posted a, another private text, but from James Conner. Yeah. Which, you know, is a very similar situation. Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell, arguably the best of their position. And then, you know, James Conner, Juju Smith, two young promising players at their position on their team. Yeah. So Le'Veon Bell, in the heat of all of the all of this like social media uproar uh, about Antonio Brown posting the DM uh, from when Juju was at SC. And the DM, the DM was second thing he posted. Yeah. Yeah. He, he said, he said something first. I don't exactly remember where he he posted the picture of the MVP thing. Yeah. They voted Juju. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But so Le'Veon said, I don't usually post private conversations, but this text just hit me so differently. Uh, I love you to death, bro, with a with a heart and the hands up emoji. And he tagged James Conner. Uh, and James Conner basically sent Le'Veon Bell a text message saying, 
what's up, bro? Just reaching out. Social media got dudes acting crazy, and it got me thinking. You was always a real one. Never talked bad about nobody and was always solid. I appreciate that. Congrats on the new deal. You weathered the storm and came out stronger with two of the clapping hand praying emojis. Uh, Like you always say, all positive vibes. Do your thing, Brody. Fire 100. And what this tells me is that Antonio Brown is tripping. And the the Steelers organization, the players in the locker room were probably like, damn, it's like that. You know, it's like I think James Conner saw what Antonio Brown was saying about Juju and felt the need to 100 percent to tell Le'Veon how he felt because, you know, maybe that you you think, you know, some guys and, and, you know, they turn around and do stuff like that. And to keep it solid, like he said, uh, Le'Veon Bell, you know, it shows a lot more about his character than Antonio Brown. Well, and if you if you really go back and remember at the beginning of last season when Le'Veon was still sitting out and James Conner started off so hot, Le'Veon on social media was supportive of James Conner. Of course. Yeah, and I, I thought, you know, I don't ever remember Brown ever. That's what I mean. I just think he is tripping. He just completely is like, well, I don't know what, like if it's just being the highest paid receiver in the league doing this to him or what, but like. And it really it, it just makes no sense to tear that kid down. Juju's one of the most well liked people in, in the NFL as far you know, he's kind of like the next step from Gronk. Yeah. Like it's kinda like Gronk's gone now, like Juju's kind of the, that guy. He's like, like the happy go lucky, always having fun. The kid in the backyard, yeah, exactly. Dancing and just yeah, having fun. And for Antonio Brown to like attack him because he, he was acknowledged as the most valuable player. It just shows you're just spiteful and you're and you're mad like your teammates didn't think you were good or they didn't appreciate you, which I don't think is the case at all. I don't think it's the case at all either. Uh, and he's just just I mean he seems like a spoiled brat, which which is just crazy because he's not like he's not a first round pick. No, he's not from some big uh, like university. Um, you know what I mean? He wasn't just a day one starter guy. I mean he has dominated the last five years. Don't get me wrong, but. It just seems like he's completely lost his way, and it's gonna it's gonna hurt him. It it also really makes me th- think that maybe Ben Roethlisberger was right about all of everything that he was saying. Well, and you know these like th- this prima donna wide receiver thing is nothing new in that. Yeah, NFL. who who does this situation remind you of? To Chad Ochocinco. Chad Ochocinco. Randy and what, Moss. Well, what happened to all these guys? Have, all these guys have pulled it because they understand their value and the nature of the position is prime time kind of showboating. But unfortunately, what happened to players like Terrell Owens and Chad Ochocinco? No, it takes away. They they, I mean, they got ran out of the league. Yeah, and it t- and it takes it takes away from your career a little bit, you know, especially if you miss time, which all those guys did because of it. Well, and uh, now Antonio Brown's on the Raiders, and and really, who knows what's going to happen with the Raiders? And it's like, yeah, you are the highest paid receiver in the league, but that like only benefits you. It doesn't benefit anybody else. And it doesn't world. mean anything if you're uh, not I mean, winning championships. You, you, took, you took, well, I mean, you took care of your family. You're getting paid, and I get all that. But you should. I just don't understand why you. No, would but think we're that. we're talking in terms of the sport. And here. it's like I don't think it's going to affect his play. I mean, if anything, it'll help his play. But it's like. He's a thirty-five. He's a thirty-year-old receiver. Um, I think he's got a couple years left in his prime, but it's not going to last forever, and people are going to remember this. No, and he's just—he's painting himself as the villain. Oh, he's definitely making himself look like the villain in this situation. 
now someone who's not trying to make themselves to look like a villain and kind of really trying to defend themselves from a, a pretty bombshell article that came out is Aaron Rodgers. Uh, there's a big article that came out on Bleacher Report mm-hmm. uh, basically about the time spent between Mike McCarthy and Aaron Rodgers and the 11 years in Green Bay and kind of the development of that relationship and kind of where things went sour. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is basically saying that the the sources and the teammates that were talked to, Ryan Grant, uh, uh, Ryan Grant Greg Jennings, uh, to name two of them, they're basically – just scorned former teammates trying to trying to get some clout. Yeah, and even if they did, like, even if what they're saying they thought was true, it's it just still is like, you know, he could have said one offhand remark one time, and they could have remembered that. Exactly. Um, and this this whole story was fishy to me from the jump. Uh, I just couldn't understand how that relationship could work. Well, I think long with I think my a bad relationship, and the, well, it definitely the, it definitely you know, went sour a play, at a point. Yeah, which is which is understandable, and I think that you know at the jump it probably was a little awkward at first, just because of their scenario with Alex Smith and San Francisco and Aaron Rodgers' experience with the NFL draft. Um, Aaron for sure had a chip on his shoulder, uh, and still does almost to this day, even being the best player in the league. But uh, you know, and and so I can. When Ryan Grant said about him not like you know liking McCarthy, I think that Ryan Grant said that thinking that you know he was right because at that time that's that might have been how Rodgers felt. Yeah. But I got I mean he spent three years on the bench, and then he he became the starter, won a Super Bowl with this guy. So it's like I, I, after year two or three, I I doubt that he had a problem with McCarthy. And so I got to think those middle like seven, you know, they spent eleven years together. Yeah. Listen, there was. I got to think those those middle seven eight years were pretty pretty good yeah winning all considering winning cures all and they're two competitive guys it's never going to be perfect and you know they are part of one like brain basically as far as football the the x's and o's of the offense you know play caller and quarterback are kind of it's two brains and uh doing one job but here's the thing here's the thing when one brain becomes smarter than the other, that's where the conflict starts. And yeah, I think but, Aaron Rodgers started started to really outsmart Mike McCarthy in terms of football. But knowledge. outsmart, but outsmarting someone and like, you got to be on the same page. He, he Aaron Rodgers is smart as in he he may know what the best play to run is, but he's also a smart guy and he need, he knows that there has to be a leader. You have to be under somebody. You can't just like go rogue. Well, you know he, apparently I mean? Aaron Rodgers was going rogue, and and but every quarterback is is making a, a a good chunk of percentage audible calls, and they have a lot of freedom at the line as far as like run pass options, um, and so you know like he probably did auto you know audible a lot of plays, but every quarterback does that. It just is a weird story. I, I it was hard for me to like believe at first, and I'm and I'm glad that Rodgers came out to kind of deny it because. I think what Rodgers was saying is, yeah, there were some things like we might not have been getting along the in the you know the recent years, but for the most part, I got nothing bad to say about the guy. Yeah, and it was nothing more than like any quarterback play caller relationship, and we spent eleven years together. Yeah, well, and, and so like their words, I just think were taken like too seriously. You know, it may have been that may have been the case for a month or or a season, but I don't think that was the the story of the 11 years. Well, and really really the the article was written with a slant 
towards Mike McCarthy to favor him because I think a lot of the stuff came from McCarthy or at least McCarthy's view of the relationship because that's he why feels, he, he got he, he lost his job. Exactly. He yeah. feels hurt that he lost his job and now he's trying to get another job to where he's trying to make himself look presentable yeah. to is, other suitors. This is why it's tough to, you know, read stuff and be quick to judge because, you know, one or two people's perspective is not necessarily always the whole truth. You know, 100%. You got to be careful out there. And that is his perspective and it's the smart play. I mean, even if he doesn't like again, you know, being a smart person, even if he knows it's like not true it's still a smart play you know what i mean like save as much face as you can in a cold business like the nfl yeah so now the nfl it's it's almost back we're yeah we're a week out from otas yeah nope i'm excited i've been putting together the fantasy football stuff slowly trying to get that yeah Trying to get that going. That's going to be fun. I'm excited for the league to get back back yep. up again. Yep, I'm excited as well. So, all right, let's transition now to the NBA. And Paul Pierce is someone who I have hated as a player for a very long time. Damn. Very long time. The truth hurts. They, hey, listen. Boom, boom. That's his name. Yeah. But it hurts sometimes. Now, the other night on ESPN's pregame, uh, NBA pregame show, he started a war that he can never, ever, ever, ever win by claiming that he has had a better or had a better career than Dwayne Wade. Now, before we get into this, I'm going to say both of us agree. Paul Pierce is one of the greatest players of the last probably 20 to 30 years to ever play in the NBA. But he's not even close to Dwayne Wade. Dwayne Wade is the third best two guard of all time, and the other two two guards are Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant. Yeah. Yeah, he's right. he's he's definitely in that, that group. Paul Pierce just sounded dumb trying to defend himself. Yeah. Saying he had a better career than Wade. Yeah. Just it's just such such poor taste and timing. I mean, like it's just a, it is a per, the the quote is the perfect mix of timing and taste because it's like, dude, Dwayne Wade's doing his thing. You know, you're feeling a little obviously a little salty about his the love that he's receiving, and you tried to play journeyman at the end, uh, and it's just you know, so the timing that that's really bad, and and just this. I think it's just something that he he just unfortunately said some offhand comment. And he and everybody when you're on TV and the mic is on, everybody heard it and everybody's <laughs> gonna. I mean, I think that like if he wasn't a super proud guy, he'd be like, "All right, I was just like." No, tripping. listen, every you know what I mean. I every, think he'd be like, "I was tripping," but because I don't think he truly believe. I think it was just an offhand comment. That got, no, I, no, 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 no. I don't think this was a premeditated I thing. Think, no, 100% it was pre. I think Paul Pierce truly believes he had a better career than D. Wade because any competitive person will think they are the best at whatever they do. Yeah, but uh, I just don't think you say that during D. Wade's like retirement. No, Paul Pierce is that kind of person to yeah. do that. Yeah, and, may, and maybe, but he, he's definitely going to lose this argument. No, Paul Pierce is Paul Pierce again. is just salty that he never got a farewell tour like Kobe or which, like D Wade is, is getting. Which is dumb because no one does. I mean, this is like a, a recently like weird phenomenon. 
and it like it's not it's not something that's just gonna be like super like popular you know for everybody to do no one's gonna like do give give this kind of like uh love to everybody and no one knew when paul pierce the last year was gonna be yeah, because he, kept he held switching on teams he, well and he held on two years longer than he should have really yeah. where Dwayne wade is walking away like early and, oh he could and, definitely and keep then, playing and then kobe was kind of like forced out yeah right, as far as physically um so but kobe is, is so like they weren't leaving it like kobe didn't try to like kobe didn't try to like keep playing past like when he should have he came right. back one last season played the whole year to to basically just like do yeah. you know say goodbye because he physically couldn't like rock the game anymore. yeah i brought so i looked up the comparison if you want, if you want me to go through it real quick yeah, I mean, it, I just like the the other things I didn't like were like him saying, you know, if I had Shaq, if I had Braun. Well, and that was those that, are the those are the just, exact same. That's a, that's another that's poor taste because you you don't you you basically just blamed your teammates weren't good enough and you had one of the biggest well, big threes in NBA history. And he's also held, used that same argument against LeBron whenever Paul Pierce has been on TV arguing about LeBron not being as great as fill in the blank yeah yeah so i pulled up the comparisons yeah i mean garnett and ray allen are pretty fucking good dude Throw, throwing a rondo there and you had you had them for at least four solid years and you got one title out of it. you could argue ray allen should have got finals mvp in 08 but they had to I, give it, I, they had to give I, it to in Paul general Pierce. don't i in general don't like that celtics team's attitude about who they were I've never liked because, the Celtics, so well, we can I mean, talk about this all day. Well, it's just uh, I just don't. They weren't. I feel like they have this this attitude, like they were stopping people from winning titles. They weren't. It, it when really, yeah, I don't think they were. I think they won one title, uh, which they was did. super impressive. Uh, got to two, which, dude. That was their first title in over thirty years. Well, which is regardless, they got the title. Very impressive. Not going to take that away from them. Definitely earned it, and went to a second one. Definitely earned it. And they were a great team, but I don't. They're, I mean, they're like just like the Miami Heat, like in the Heat got and with LeBron that four-year window. That's like how I envision that Celtics team. And the Heat were stop like way more. I feel like of a championship stopper, hundred percent, than that Celtics team was. Yeah, I mean. I mean, the the Heat are what started LeBron's eight straight final streak. And it's just like, yeah, you you didn't you didn't you know necessarily have the greatest stacked teams, but Anton Walker was an All Star, and you guys made m multiple playoff runs. Yeah, and, and you know you were two young stars that were scorers, so it's like you did have teams. Um, but and Paul Pierce wasn't even that great of a playoff performer if you really look at the numbers. Well, his numbers, I don't think Paul Pierce's numbers necessarily like tell his story because i am a big paul pierce no fan. i i understand I, and, paul and you, pierce's you know, place like, in it's history. almost like the spurs kind of players where it's like yeah no yeah like tony parker may have averaged 17 but it's like in transition offensively him pushing you he's as scary as Dude, anybody paul pierce would, would give anybody 50 anytime he really wanted if you if he tried yeah and he i think he played a team game and he was a two-way player but it's it's just you know i don't know Dude. It's it's like we it's like we say all the time. You can't tell the story of basketball without Paul Pierce. Yeah, no, and he's a uh, he's a stud, Hall of Famer, like no doubt. I think, but he just got caught in a bad comment at the bad bad time. You want to hear the comparisons? I mean, yeah. All right. 
Paul Pierce, 19 seasons. D. Wade, 16 seasons. D. Wade, three rings. Paul Pierce, one ring. Paul Pierce made it to the playoffs 14 times. D. Wade made it 13, maybe 14 this year if they can win out uh, the last two games of the season this year. D. Wade is a 13-time All-Star. Paul Pierce, 10-time. Both have one finals MVP. D. Wade was All-NBA first team twice. Paul Pierce, none. Mm-hmm. D. Wade was on eight All-NBA teams to Paul Pierce's four. D. Wade was on three All-Defensive teams to Paul Pierce's zero. And D. Wade led the league in scoring once. Paul Pierce never did that. Yeah, well, there is a point where Dwayne Wade was, you know, arguably the best player in the game. So yeah. it's like, you know, it's a, it's just not, it's not a, it's a comparison. They're in the same ballpark. It's not like he said some outlandish shit, you know, like he was better than Michael Jordan. No, listen, or there's a, but there can be an argument for it. Yeah, but, but he, it's just, it's just like. I think that 90%, you know, 95% of people are going to say he was better and it was obvious, you know, but, yeah. but Paul Pierce was the truth, man. He was a great player. Hey, man. This just, this just like puts people, it, it's, it's just a bad move because now people want to, now people are looking at your numbers trying to put them down rather than like you compare Paul Pierce's numbers to anybody, 99% of players that have ever played. And, and Paul Pierce was better than him. Better than him, for sure. Did you see the the video of Paul Pierce uh, taking off his headband, trying to throw it into the crowd, and the dude threw it back? The the caption for it was, uh, Paul Pierce is the jaw rule of the NBA. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he's not, though. That's the sad part. Is but He's, just he's like, turning himself into that, though. Well, yeah, which is weird because he's like – He's fucking it's it's dumb. Like, don't be that retired guy that's sitting back trying to defend your legacy. No one likes that. No one wants to hear about how like y- like he's probably the same guy saying I would like we'd beat them, you know, like it, in my yeah. like ROA team would beat them or like, you know, what you know, try to live in the past or it's like, oh, we we were we you know hanging banners. It's like, you know, dude, no one's trying to attack your career. You're you're trying to belittle others people career to like make your stand out which is just a bad way to do it yeah and you're you're digging yourself into a hole you shouldn't like you're 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 an la native from fucking inglewood and la hates you and and you're a boston celtic guy you should just be very strong you know like i'm an la guy and a boston celtic like you can be strong in those personalities but don't don't get it like don't (laughs) don't get outside of your of your zone. That's a that was hey, just a bad Like LeVar said, stay in your lane, Paul stay Pierce. In, stay in your lane. Yeah. All right. A few other things. Uh a quote I was really intrigued by that I heard on another podcast called the Knuckleheads Podcast, hosted by none other than Quentin Richardson and Darius Miles. Yeah. It's um it's hosted on the the Players Tribune uh network. Knuckleheads, that's a good uh it's a good name for for them. Good play on their <laughs> their their shit. So they had Kevin Durant on recently, and KD was basically talking about what it's like to be a Nike athlete and how honored he is to be a part of the Nike family. And he mentioned something that was really interesting to me, and I think it really hammers home why I think Zion Williamson should sign with Nike. Uh, and now that Lonzo Ball is signed with CIA, I think obviously the next step would be the shoe deal. 
And I think it's another reason why Lonzo should sign with Nike because I think that's also all but certain. He said that – so Kevin Durant said that LeBron James, Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, and himself are the only players in NBA history to have 12 or more signature shoes. And if you think about it, now because LeBron and KD are active, obviously they have a big market in terms of sales for their signature shoes. Mm-hmm. MJ and Kobe are now since retired, mm-hmm. but are pr- – probably the only players that have been able to capitalize and still have a market after retirement yeah after retirement kind of like i would say they're the only two in terms of what you see guys playing in today yeah that okay yeah as far as yeah right that's that wording yeah you're absolutely right because i was like to the to the sneaker culture you know, there's guys that their shoes are very impactful still. They're retired. The, 100%. But I'm penny, saying, I'm pennies, saying like, the Barclays, the I'm talking on court. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, the weirdest thing for me is, is I, I haven't heard the whole context, but he had to have met Nike athletes uh, because Iverson's ha- Iverson had 13 signature shoes. So that was weird off top. I was like, well, I know Iverson. And then now this isn't necessarily a Nike athlete, but he kind of is. Carmelo has had 13 signature shoes as well. But he was on Jordan. And he's on Jordan, which is like still kind of, you know, flirting with Nike. I mean, Nike owns Jordan. You know, Jordan's under the Nike umbrella. Yeah. So first reaction to the comment was I thought that he was missing it. I honestly thought Chris Paul had that many as well. But Chris Paul has actually done at 11. And how many does D. Wade have? And D Wade has D Wade has a has a good chunk as well, but, but he's been with a few different companies. But still, I mean, I tried to find every all, all of them. That, that there was only there was only three people I found in double Interesting. digits. See, I didn't I didn't know any of that. I just I was taking KD for at his yeah. word. Yeah, and like so when I first heard it, I was just like, I don't. That's a weird statement. He must have met Nike athletes. And then when I heard the Carmelo thing, I was like, well, maybe you know he. You know, I just, but because Jordan's on the list, you know, yeah, and like, yeah, Jordan is a Nike athlete, but after, you know, after so many years, that brand became Jordan, like you were getting a Jordan shoe box. You, there was a Jordan Jumpman logo on it. It wasn't Nike anymore. Um, so th- that was like my first reaction. I was kind of like thrown off. I just didn't really know what, what he meant by that. Uh, but it's definitely like an accomplishment either way. And, you know, Kobe, Kobe has, as far as like the retired players, Kobe's definitely got one of the best shoes of playing sneaker wise. Uh, Jordan's just going to keep living on because of his, you know, his impact on, you know, the culture and the fashion. Yeah. I mean, I think that his, the new Jordans every year is still one of the like more fashion forward um, shoes that come out every year. Their Nike shoes are the best in the world. Yeah. Nike's worth, Nike's worth, all those other little companies combined, you know, the Adidas, Under Armour, yeah. Puma, uh, all that shit. You I, I mean, I've always, ever, ever since I've played basketball, I've always worn Nike shoes. But, I mean, it's dope. I mean, Kevin Durant's going to end up with, like, you know, probably 15 plus. Yeah. Which is sick, you know. And, and the only reason why I don't think Kobe Kobe got lucky in the sense that he was, like, the first one to go with the sleek functional basketball shoe you know good grip yeah. laces up tight um you know feels good on the feet lightweight and so you know Kyrie, 
Paul George, Kevin Durant have all copied that that shoe style. The, yep. Their shoes are are kind of off the, that the low Kobe. To, that low to so, mid top. So, so Kobe kind of got the jump on all of them as far as like staying in that lane to where I don't know if when Kevin Durant retires that they can market a Kobe and a Durant retired shoe. Right. It's going to be a similar shoe. And it's definitely Paul George. I don't think so. Kyrie's the one that I feel like is the guy to carry the Nike torch after Braun because Kyrie has such a, a great relationship with the youth, I feel like, and and the, the fashion and yeah. what, what he picks in his shoe I think is the most functional. I think arguably he has the best basketball shoe to play in. Um, I think it's either him or Braun. Uh, but Braun, you know, if you if you're someone that wants lightweight shoes, you automatically like cut them off the list. Yeah. So, it's a it's a weird thing, and it's a lot of money involved too. You know. Yeah. N- Nike goes after the tier one superstars. And I mean, so circling this all back around, yeah. Zion Williamson is that type of tier one superstar yep. coming out of his yep. first first year of college. He's 100 percent in the Durant. Uh, the Durant, LeBron, Kobe family. Yeah. As far as sneakers, his shoe's going to be off the charts. Now, he's coming in the same – him and Giannis's shoe, if he signs with the Nike, if he signs with Nike, which I think he will, him and Giannis's shoe is going to come out at the same time. Which well, is Giannis, be, Giannis is debuting his shoe in the playoffs this year. Which is a page out of Michael Jordan's book. Yep. Uh, Michael Jordan used to preview his, his, his next year's models during the playoffs. Uh, but that shoe is uh, that not really. It will, it's you know it's going to be a next year's basketball shoe. Right. You'll see all the campaigns for it. I'm I'm sure all the swag will come out with it. Um, but Zion, the you know that's like the only thing that I as far as like Zion with Nike, it's the Giannis thing is kind of a weird dynamic thrown it in there. So now like he's got to compete with Giannis as far as the the freak one and the Zion one, and then on top of that. Paul George is stacking up to five shoes. Yeah. Kyrie's getting close to ten shoes. KD and Braun are fifteen plus. Yeah. Uh, Kobe and Jordan, you know, have always been doing their thing. So there's a there's a lot of competition there. But at the end of the day, big bank takes a little bank. Hundred percent. Nike's going to be able to offer him way more than any anybody else. And I think that you got to when you're in that position, you have to take the money because. I don't think the product, there's a huge separation. Now, does Zion and his past history with Adidas, because his AAU team that he played on growing mm-hmm. up. It helps big time. I mean, this they, shit is, that is. team played on the Adidas circuit, and yeah. all he has ever worn since before coming to Duke, if you didn't see him in yeah. Duke Nike gear, you yeah. saw him in Adidas. Yep. And, and, uh, and, and the Nike blew out on him. So there's a lot, you know, yeah. a lot of speculation there. But to be honest with you, I mean, this. This is this is LeBron James all over again. Hundred percent. LeBron James wore Adidas all through high school. He had you know custom T Max, custom Kobe Bryant's that he was wearing uh, at St. Vincent St. Mary's, and you know Nike Nike was off, a, able to offer him fifty mil before he played a game. Before he played a second in the NBA, and, and they can do that with Zion, and and now fifty mil. In 2019, is going to be, you know, he's probably going to be close to 200 mil. I think 200 mil is like the like the neighborhood of where he he should sign a deal. And I just don't think Adidas can offer an athlete that they don't know is going to work out that kind of money. I don't know if he's going to get that much, but I mean, he's, he's got worth it. that much though. And, oh, and I think that 100 percent he's worth two, that much. 200 million dollars in merchandise sales for Nike is not nothing. 
Uh, yeah. yeah. You know, they're going to make that's their, like a quarter. They're going to like if he signs a 10 year, 200 million dollar deal, they're going to make their money back in the first year. Maybe. I mean, maybe the second year. I don't know the exact you know yeah. numbers of it, but it's big time, big time bucks here. Yeah. Now. So you you think I think he's going to end up with Nike. And, I think he is, too. And, and he's got and like you said, I mean, he's got everything going against him, really. But everything- Adidas, Adidas high school circuit. Nike blew out on him in college. Giannis is coming out with his signature shoe the same year Zion would have to, unless Zion wants to, you know, Zion's got to have a shoe now. Like, they're going to give him, I think, similar deal that KD got. Yeah. Where KD, the first KD wasn't necessarily called the KD one. It was a Nike basketball shoe with the KD logo on it. Yeah. You kind of, that kind of like, it kind of like acclimates you to the It was like a player exclusive. Yeah. It kind of, well, and it's like LeBron's first shoe. What was that called? It the was like Air the, Zoom generation. Yeah. It wasn't LeBron one. That's not, that's not, it, there's a way to acclimate him and get him into a shoe that's not, you know, what was Kobe's first shoe with Adidas? It was the Crazy 8, wasn't the Kobe? It was the yeah. Crazy 8, then the Kobe one, then the Kobe two. Yep. What was Iverson's first shoe? It was the question. Then it was the answer one. Then it was, you know what I mean? There's, there's things that are, so, you know, for Giannis and, but, and, and Zion to have to do that in the same year, that's going to be tough, on, tougher on Zion. But I still like Big Bang, take Little Bang. I and, think that's going to be the and all of that, all of that lasting impact that we talk about that that Nike has with these athletes, like MJ and Kobe, being able to extend their shoe career past their playing career. Yeah, well, because their their influence it, on the culture is similar exactly. to guys like Iverson and Penny. Exactly, uh, it's 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 the perfect equation in my in my opinion. Yeah, he I think he's 100% going to Nike even though I think there's a ton of reasons why he's you know not going to uh I think he's going to end up at Nike. Giannis though people are sleeping on this one man. He is a world talent. So Nike's never you know off top I can't think of any like you know big time like athlete in America in America that was a foreign guy that Nike well, pushed really, really hard. And this is this you is know. such a new frontier for Nike, but it it goes hand in hand with how global the game of basketball is becoming. Well, yeah, and it's and the NBA, you know, like we touched on an episode or two ago, is like never seen the best player in the league be a foreign player. Yeah, uh, it's about to that's about to happen for the first time ever, and so Nike to you know to bring on a foreign player as a guy that's going to be in posters with Durant standing next to Durant and Braun and Giannis. That's like, that's the trio, you know, you've yeah. replaced Kobe Bryant as far as like current, you know, in, active in players. Your pendul- you know, in your pyramid of, of players, uh, that's, that's never been done. And it's going to be crazy because I think the world sales, you know, kids overseas are going to be picking his shoe up like wild kids oh. in America are, are already going to be on it. Um, so, I mean, I know that w- this originally started with Zion, but I think this Giannis thing, no one's talking about it. No. and No one's brought it up, and I think that's, like, one of the bigger things that's that could, uh, you know, stop him from from signing with Nike. But Ultimately. I can't. I, I just know their, their negotiation is on a whole other level than Adidas. Yeah, 100%. So, all right, last thing before we get into the end-of-the-season awards. Uh, I've seen it been brought up on twitter by a few different people and i forgot to write their handles down so i apologize real quick did we talk about lonzo and his shoes no 
What, where do you think you should go? I mean, I think you should sign with Nike. See, and I think you should too. But like I was just saying, I don't. If I'm Lonzo, I'm not signing with Nike because it's not the right time. It, because and they and have so much other right, stuff. He's going not the on. right athlete. You can get like when you're when you're a tier down below the the guys on top. Like honestly, Paul George to me is like fucking fringe of like being a Nike a basketball shoe, being able to sell a shoe. He's lucky that his shoe is so nice to play in. Yeah. Because I really don't think he's on the same level as the other guys, even though you know on the court he's a he's an A one superstar. Right. But it's like Lonzo, the money Nike's going to give you, like, we just broke down. You know, we were putting hundreds of millions of dollars on these Nike guys' name. They've got right. a five of them locked up at least. Yeah. And so I think that the money Nike's going to offer, he can get that same amount of money from Adidas or Puma or, or you know, wherever he wants to go, and they can push him more. Right. He can be more of a face to it, similar to, you know, when, when Billups and Gilbert Arenas and, and Garnett and and these guys were with Adidas and yeah. James Harden, you know, and and Steph with Under Armour, you know, they can like push him more than than Nike could. Like James right. Harden and Steph, like they could be Nike athletes, but does Nike really want to put a a sixth superstar or seventh superstar in yeah. that same amount of money? Like it doesn't make sense for me. If I'm in an athlete's inner circle and it comes to an apparel shoe deal to where I'm talking with companies like Adidas, Nike, Under Armour, Puma, Reebok, all those companies. I'm always going to push the athlete to Nike because Nike is the cream of the crop. It's the A1. Nike's the best product. But in terms of Lonzo Ball, if I was in his inner circle, yeah, I would try and push him to Nike, but it doesn't necessarily make sense. I think Puma makes the best sense for him yeah. because they're trying to well, go the through kinda, this resurgence. The kind of lane he's in, too. He was a my own lane type of guy. So exactly. They're, coming from. they're going through this resurgence yeah. and trying to, to gain their footing yeah. again. And he has big – he's a big-time name. So it's like, you know, someone like Anta. He, he or, can or, still command or, an audience. Like Anta or Puma, like they could put his name on stuff and sell it. Yeah, for sure. You know what I mean? For sure, For sure they could do that, but – I think, you know, Adidas, it would be, like, arguably the best route for him, even though I hate to say that because I, I hate their shoes. But yeah. I just think financially and marketing-wise, they're going to be able to give him the most push for the money he's getting paid for. Exactly. And at the, at the end of the day, in terms of business, if the first best option isn't going to go to you and the second best option is, yeah. you got to go with the best option available. And, it, it, you know, it makes sense to, you know, him sign with Nike just so he could wear all the Nike shoes. Right. He could wear Kobe's and Bronze and right. and Kyrie's. And, all, and the, I, I know he's a sneakerhead, so that makes a lot of sense. And I definitely wouldn't be surprised if he signs with Nike. But, you know, as far as, like, him being an athlete, marketed as an athlete, you know, there's a lot of different ways. You know, Darius Basley, that kid from high school who – signed to be an intern for new balance this year yeah. you know Kawhi just came out of a signature shoe this kid's like hasn't played a game and he's gonna get a signature shoe you know what yeah. i mean so it's like there's so there's different levels of success like well, obviously think, nike you're on the best team but yeah. like sometimes you want to be the best player on a different team right well and i think honestly it helps that him and lebron have gotten so close since yeah, yeah. since this whole kind of transition for him has happened he's, he, and he's a kobe kid i mean he grew up in, he's an la kid he's yeah, been he, yeah he even he said it in the in the initial interview when it came out that he was parting ways with uh alan foster he works out in kobe's or he works out in lebron's because they're heavier 
Yep. And if he wasn't playing in big baller shoes, he would be playing in Kobe's. Yeah, 100% I agree with all that. So I think he ends up in Nike too, but I, don't, I just I just think that <laughs> I guess I don't want to swallow that pill because he's like accepting not being a, a, like a superstar yeah. kind of like contract, whereas I think he still has that potential. Yeah. All right. So like I was saying, before we get into the our end of season awards for the NBA – uh, I saw it get brought up by a few different people on Twitter, and I apologize for not writing their handles name or their handles uh, down, or else I would have shouted them out. Uh, but it's they've brought up an interesting point about the Clippers uh, and how they've traded their two best players for two years in a row mid-season, and basically how it affects uh, free agency and how free agents will will feel about the Clippers. And looking at them as an attractive destination or, or not. In my opinion, I think it's an awful look for the Clippers. And I couldn't be happier about it as a Laker fan. Uh, obviously, the NBA is a business. Uh, and there's no real loyalty between teams and players. But there's been one team consistently throughout NBA history that has been loyal to their players. And that team has been rewarded for such loyalty to the tune of 16 championships. And that's the Los Angeles Lakers. I don't think trading your franchise player two years in a row looks good for the Clippers. I mean, trading Blake Griffin after giving him that whole fake jersey retirement thing to get him to stay in L.A. after basically choosing him over Chris Paul and then trading Tobias Harris, who they got in the deal for Blake Griffin, who they basically were like, you're our franchise player now since you were the main piece of that trade. Trading him to Philadelphia and putting, I mean, giving him a better chance to win and basically mm -hmm. saying to the team, even though this, this isn't what ended up happening, but saying to the team, we're just going to throw in the towel again this year. Obviously, things worked out differently for them and they're in the playoffs. But trading their franchise player and their best player away two years in a row I don't think that's a good look, and I think free agents will notice that. Well, uh, I got to disagree with you on this one. Okay. Uh, just because they're in the playoffs, I mean, they're winning, so that throws a whole – if they were like – if they were losing, it would be different, you know what I mean? Because I think then you would, you, know, you would just think they have no loyalty. They're just trading their players to try to get draft picks. But – I think that it hurts them in – it might hurt them in getting a Kevin Durant or a Kawhi Leonard mm -hmm. or a Paul George. It might hurt them in getting those big guys. But I think everybody else, it doesn't really matter. Because, I mean, yeah, you traded your best player, but you're winning games. You are you are a better basketball team for it. Mm -hmm. So, if anything, it's showing that their management knows when to get rid of talents that they don't necessarily need mm -hmm. and getting the most out of their players from their coaching staff. Um, which I think that they've done. They took a bunch of players that people didn't want, and, and they're they're and they're winning games. And so I think that as a anyone outside of that tier one of free agency, it looks like a good destination because a they're winning games. B they've got to have good coaching to win these games because this roster, uh, the roster that they had, they were predicted to win you know thirty something games, yeah. thirty three games, or what have you. Um, and then you know you gotta you gotta I think. Yeah, you can look at the management and say they've traded their best player away. There's no loyalty, but if you're not the best player, they've had plenty. They've had plenty of loyalty, 
And I mean, Lou Will has been there, you know, like you know, the last. He's two been there years, since since three the years. Lakers traded him. Yeah, it, and not that that not you know he was arguably their best player, but and he hasn't been there very long, so that's not necessarily that great of a point. But yeah, they get rid of their best. I think player. Gallinari is like. Guy, the, I think Gallinari is the. If you're not that player. guy, then you don't really have anything to bark about. And to to fill out your team, you know, it's probably an attractive destination. You get to live in L.A. You're not under the microscope like the Lakers are. You got Doc Rivers. You got a team that was in the playoffs. Uh, you know, I mean, I would sign there if I if I'm a basketball player that's trying to. You'd sign if, there over the Lakers right now. If if I if I'm a basketball player that's trying to get playing time, trying to win games and better and progress my career from a basketball standpoint, I would sign with the Clippers. Not necessarily over the Lakers, but I would sign with the Clippers. They are an attractive destination outside of maybe the KDs, the Kwais, because they're almost like a small market team. They're they're almost like <laughs> a team that's like they have to build it differently. I think they yeah. need to build as a team chemistry wise rather than trying to, you know, get the biggest names, which I think the Lakers can do because of their history. Yeah, I just to me and the Lakers were lo- very loyal to Kobe. But I mean, but they weren't like, just loyal to Kobe. They, but it's like after that. I mean, the free agency era really has just started. Yeah, you know the the bonanza of free agency has really just started. Um, and the Lakers really haven't won any sort of free agency summer. Yeah, in this bonanza since this summer yeah. by getting LeBron. I, and, I think that they've won. They've won in trades. Yeah, you know that's how they they got they you know when they traded Shaq they got good value back for him they got a bunch you know yeah you know although Karan and Brian Grant didn't necessarily stay forever Lamar was a pivotal piece in the championships you know when they when they traded for they traded for Powell you know what I mean they so I think the trades have been more successful than I mean sure they traded for Kobe Bryant so <laughs> yeah but I, I don't know I mean I just, don't, just I just I get what you're saying where they haven't like there is you know and there is definitely a players versus ownership like mentality right now and they have shown disloyal that that was definitely a bad look with Blake Griffin Tobias Harris a little less so it's a little less so but in, at the I same, just don't think they even thought they were going to make the playoffs you know what I mean yeah. I think you know they were trying to basically dump talent trying to get what they can and they kept winning games because Doc Rivers kept getting prepared and they had guys that. Gallinari needs a good season to get another contract. Lou Will's getting older. Their young guys need need exposure. Montrez Harrell needs exposure and numbers to yeah. get more contracts. They're motivated by things, um, so they're winning games. Yeah, I don't know. I guess I'm just probably looking at this with a very fat Laker haze. Well, you're right. I mean, as far as like you know, Kevin Kevin Durant, but and, and Kawhi and those guys. But at the same time, it's like they're not. Those guys are probably gonna have no trade clauses anyways. Yeah. So that's it's true. just like, you know, if I'm if I'm Clay Thompson or Jimmy Butler or Kemba Walker, I'm not signing with the Clippers worried that they're going to trade me in the, you know, middle of the season. Yeah. All right. So just an update on Dwayne Wade's last home game in Miami. The Heat are up by 20 on the Sixers, 62 to 42. Nice. D Wade is 5 of 10 from the field with 14 points. Is is he uh, let me let me look at the, let me look at something real quick. Uh, man, you know, it's, I'm just looking like Boston is, Boston is only like, well, they're two and a half games behind and there's only two games left. If I was Philly, I would have just sat fucking Embiid. Well, Embiid's, Embiid's not playing. Ben Simmons. 
Ben Simmons, Jimmy Butler, and Tobias Harris are all playing. Yeah, I would have just been like, fuck it. Throw the throw the B team out. There's no, We can't move up in the playoff slots. There's only two games left, and we're two and a half games above Boston. So we're basically locked in the third seed. And we got to go play Dwayne Wade. Only a bad, only bad things can happen. We either beat Dwayne Wade in Miami in his last time, or we fucking lose to Dwayne Wade when we shouldn't be losing to Miami. Yeah, Boston sat everybody tonight. Boston did well. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. they well, and they which is they're going to be playing Indiana no matter what. It's just they still can get home court. Yeah. And Detroit, Detroit. Oh, they losing. must have the they must have the tiebreaker then because Indiana's got one game left. They have one game left. Yeah. So they must like win or lose. They must have the tiebreaker on those guys. And uh, Detroit's losing right now to Memphis. Good. We want even though I want Detroit to make the the playoffs because I picked them to make the playoffs this year. I'd way rather see D Wade in the playoffs. Oh yeah, for sure. But all right, let's uh, let's close it out with uh, our end of season regular season awards for the national basketball association so the mvp has been a highly contested debate all year yeah who do you have winning mvp i gotta go james harden gotta do it i i i understand this is is as close of a race as it always is i think there's always a pretty pretty close race Giannis is the best player on the best team which uh, is who uh, I have which, winning MVP. Which is normally, you know, what will do it for you. But, I mean, this kind of brings me back to when Russ want, got the triple dub. I I just, like, statistically, him doing something that I have never seen before other yeah. than Kobe and Michael Jordan. Uh, like, that's crazy. Not not T-Mac, not AI, not, not KD, not Melo, not Shaq. None of those guys did it. And, and 36 a game, he willed his team into the playoffs. Not only did he will his team to the playoffs, he willed himself into a three seed in the West, maybe a two seed with, you know, Chris Paul out, Eric Gordon out. Capella you know, missed significant time. You know, like if they get the second seed, if only the Warriors in the West are better, you know, then it's like he almost is the best player on the best team. I mean, he really is that close. And uh, I just think that the scoring and playmaking and the wins – that he put on his back is enough for him to get MVP this year. This is the most impressive season of the last three, and he was he won it last year and, and, and probably should have won it the year that Russ – like when Russ got the triple-double MVP, we're talking about Harden like we are, you know, Giannis. Harden was the best player on the best team. Yeah. And, I mean, for me, I'm giving it to Giannis because, like you said, he is the best player on the best team. They have the best record in the league. They've been the number one seed in the East the entire season, pretty much start to finish. Uh, I'm giving Mike Budenholzer coach of the year, which we can talk about a little bit later. Um, but Giannis is just the future, man. No, he is. He's the, he, he definitely – he had that – it's like that 88 season for Jordan where I think everyone knows what's coming. Now. Yeah. I think it's, it's all but – it's all but happened now. You're just you're ready for him to take over the league, and he's ready to take over the league. It's just a matter of the guys at the top falling off a half a step, you know. And some so, of them have. Yeah, you know, and, and LeBron and KD, they they could easily come back next year as the same player and get passed up because he's 
he's progressing so much. Yeah. So, all right. Defensive player of the year. Who do you got? Uh, I got Rudy Gobert. So do I. Um, I had, you know, I kind of always throw his name in the hat. I just think he's the best defensive player in the league in general. Um, so I picked him in, I picked him preseason. I picked him midseason. Uh, so it only fits that I roll with him the whole way through. Yeah. Uh, but best defensive player on the best defensive team. Yeah. Similar to the, the <laughs> you know, that's, I kind of think that's where it's at. He, he, uh, we saw the last year what happens when he's not playing for them. They're completely different. Everybody, can play everyone can play differently with him behind them uh they're first in the west as far as scoring defense third third in the nba and scoring defense only behind indiana and miami um he's third in the league in blocks he's the stifle tower man what else can you say (laughs) yeah he's he's a beast it's like they they've got a team full of you know they've got a they have a team it's it's chemistry based it's philosophy based you know System based. System based. Gobert's a special defensive talent, but he's nothing like he's nothing crazy that people knew that, you know, he's he's nothing wild, nothing raw. He's not Anthony Davis or Carl Anthony right. Towns. Uh, you know, and you got a Donovan Mitchell who on the other end offensively is super gifted. Um, you know, but not necessarily the most gifted guy ever. Uh, you know, a stud, but it just shows how important Rudy Gobert is because that team is, you know, a playoff Western Conference team. The last couple of years yeah no i mean he's he's been the anchor of that defense in utah ever since he got there uh and he's really the epitome of consistency when he's out on the floor you know exactly what you're getting from him yep and that's someone who's always going to protect the rim he's always going to get get rebounds he's got a seven nine wingspan and he he just gets it done yeah so all right rookie of the year uh, we kind of talked about it, uh, I believe it was two weeks ago. Uh, yeah, this is a great one. This is definitely the uh, – I, I don't like to hand out uh, co-awards, so I'm not going to. But this is definitely, <laughs> I think, the 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 most like reminiscent of uh, Grant Hill and uh, Penny – or J- Grant Hill and Jason Kidd. Yeah. Because um, they won co-rookie of the year. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I think Luca wins it. I think – it's a it's a, it is a clear space ahead of Trey, but Trey has ha, been so impressive that I think that you can't talk about the award without bringing up both of them. No, and I think you know different I've, different than different like John Wall and Donovan Mitchell. I think both played well enough, like a Trey and a Luca, to win Rookie of the Year, but weren't you know Blake Griffin and John Wall? It was a different close. You know what I mean? Yeah. The, the, Blake, ben Simmons and Blake Griffin were red shirt rookies you know what yeah. i mean they were the better player at the time that was but more as, the as far question. as a rookie season you know they had great rookie seasons so i think this is the closest one since like grant hill and, and uh jason kidd i think ultimately the nba does give it give co-rookie of the year this year if i was voting i would vote luca it's just you know it's tough because luca had such a dominating first half trey has been so hot of late um but the numbers it's just like they're very, very similar in their numbers, but Luca just has a slight edge exactly. all the way across. Exactly. The things I like that Trey did is Trey plays has played nine more games. So Trey, you know, 
71 games is still enough. Like, you play 70 games to me, you're an every-night guy. Yeah. Which is sad to say in this era because the guys like Michael and Kobe. They're playing 82. They played 82, you know. But 70 games in today's it, – 70 games in today's NBA is great. Uh, Trey played 80, which is great. They both played same amount of minutes. Get this. They shot the same percentage from three. <laughs> they both shot 32.6. And here's the even crazier part. Uh, Luca shot – um, 509 threes to Trey's 475 in nine less games. Wow. So Luca, t- I mean, that was very surprising. I think, uh, I don't think it's one of those things where Luca takes way more threes than we think Whoa. and Trey takes way less. I think Trey's just a perimeter, you know, like a playmaker. So he doesn't take as many threes as like, uh, you would think like a, you know, like 10 a game. Well, and also I think, I think it also has a lot to do with Luca getting out to a much hotter start than Trey did. Trey was, mm-hmm. Trey kind of struggled in the beginning and he, he might've been a little bit more timid to start out, yep. but once he kind of found his, his groove and found his footing in the league, yeah, he's, really he's been lights out. So it's like first half you got, clearly it was Luca. Second half, I think clearly it was Trey. I think the body of work leans towards Luca. Luca 32 wins, Trey 29, not a big difference there. So games played, minutes, wins, all pretty similar. Uh, Trey 19 a game, Luca 21. Gotta gotta say that's pretty much a wash. Yeah. Uh, you know, Luca, the the difference I think you know Luca had seven seven point seven rebounds, six assists, uh, but Trey eight assists was fourth in the NBA in assists. And it's only his rookie year. And it's only his rookie year. So I think that there's a there's a bright future for both these guys, but um, I got to give it to Luca. Yeah, I'm I'm giving it to Luca as well, and and like we've said a bunch when we we talk about both these guys, there was a lot of question marks about both these guys coming into the league because Luca was an international player, Trey is undersized, and there were a lot of questions about his game translating to the NBA. Those question marks, I think, have been answered. I think, yeah, absolutely. I think Trey's done enough now to where. People say he can ball. I don't think people are. I don't think the people that were not like that were hesitant on Trey Young are sold on him necessarily. Right. But I think there's like eight assists. That doesn't lie. You know, uh, the the shooting percentages as a rookie, those don't lie. The minutes and the games played, those don't lie. You know, the points per game doesn't lie. So I think that he's done enough to where people know he can hoop. And I, I mean, I just think it's only up Whoa. from here. What do you got? Magic Johnson stepping down as Lakers president. Well, you know, there's always that health stuff that can always pop up. You never know. Oh, God forbid. Well, I'm just saying, you know, it's a, it, it that is a whoa statement, but uh, wait, what? Yeah, breaking news. That's that's wild. Announced Tuesday night. But you know, he might he might have had some troubles in uh, in his negotiations for free. Agency. Magic Johnson is conducting an impromptu press conference and just stepped down as Lakers president. He said he loves Jeannie Buss like a sister from Dave McMenamin. I mean, initial initial reaction to me is it could just as well be health-related as basketball-related. What? I don't even know what to say to this. I mean, we'll figure it out later. Yeah, we're gonna we'll definitely talk about this next week on the show. Yeah, uh, let's. Uh, There's no information yet. No need to. No need to freak out quite yet. Yeah, it could be very reasonable. But okay, so sorry that just completely threw me for a whirlwind. 
um, going back to Luca and Trey real quick, it's like <laughs> Magic Johnson steps down as president, accepts role as uh, majority owner. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> you see, so we can't jump to conclusion. Maybe he's stepping down as president to become head coach. Yeah. No, no. Now we're I really think, spitballing. No, no. See what happens when you bring random shit into the table? I could just go on all day. You know what? We're gonna we're gonna wait till all the facts come out He's, before we talk about this. He received three more years of eligibility at Michigan State. Oh my goodness. All right. Six man of the year. Six man of the year. My my man, Lou Willville. Yeah. I think he's It has uh, to be. Th- yeah. There's there's some good ones this year though. Uh like my boy, uh, my boy Sabonis, I think is definitely a top three uh, candidate. Did you, did you have any other names to throw in that hat? No, I mean Lou Williams was. It, they just got to name the award after him. Yeah. Oh, that would be dope. Uh, Twenty points a game. Clippers make the playoffs. Yeah. You know, I I think that that's like <laughs> that's enough said right there. Um, you know, the guy continues continues to be the the model of what you want in that position. So 100%. If they uh if they named the the trophy after him, I would I definitely wouldn't be mad at it. So I th- I'm pretty sure he's won back to back. This would be 3 in a row. Yeah, see. And, oh, uh, the other name was um Dimwitty. Yeah, but so, he So the problem with Dimwitty is he missed he ended up missing 6 weeks with thumb surgery. Yeah, but still has played 67 games. Oh, okay. And they got All right. ga- and they got a game left. Yeah, so I mean, hey, not not no, but the the three names that I had were Sabonis, Dimwitty, and Lou Will, and Lou Will. Yeah, so. no, I mean, hey, you can't go wrong with any any of those three. Nope. All right, most improved. I have Pascal Siakam. I do too, mainly because I don't fuck with D'Angelo Russell. Neither do I. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm gonna be straight right there. I I uh, I think D'Angelo Russell for sure is deserving of the award. Uh, but I think, see, I mean, I, I can hide behind Siakam's stats as well. You know what I mean? I, think I mean, that, yeah. I think that, you know, his progression, his stats are bigger, yes. uh, which is not really fair because D'Angelo was kind of already in a point where his career where his numbers were kind of high. Uh, but he still got the bigger jump. And uh, being a part of that, that Toronto team that was kind of like forgotten about and kind of tossed to the side, like, uh, to step up like that and become a, a pivotal starter night in and night out, uh, him and Kawhi as the forwards, you know, I think he is deserving of the war. It's not necessarily unwarranted, but I, I can definitely understand why someone would vote for D'Angelo Russell. Yeah, and I mean, listen, at the end of the day, Pascal Siakam's played 79 games. He has been so important to that Toronto team mm-hmm. to where Big time. Kawhi Leonard has taken a lot of time off to to rest or mm-hmm. load management, yeah. however however the hell you want to call it now. Well, he's way more. He developed scoring, which I didn't see in his game at all. The first two seasons he played, um, this is his third year, right? Yeah, third year. Yeah, um, and they had that great. They had that great group of three second year players last year with him, Van Vliet, and uh, um, Delon Wright. I think his name yeah. was. Yeah. Uh, and so you know, it was nice to see that he was the guy out of that group that took the the next step um to be to being a starter to being a scorer uh to being an every night starter that, that's big time and uh you know hats off to toronto and their coaching staff i think their management 
fumbled that whole situation with yeah. firing Dwayne Casey too soon. Yeah. Um, but the, the assistant coach stepped up. He had a different team with kind of the same, ex, you know, the same talents, the same expectations. And, you know, he got more out of Pascal Siakam and he stayed at the top of the East. Yeah. All right. Coach of the year. Like I already said, uh, I'm giving it to Mike Budenholzer. Yeah. He, he definitely deserves it. But uh, I, I, I also will vote for Mike Budenholzer. Um, but I mean, because I, th- I think that most people saw them as the four, the five seed, not the one seed. And yeah, and they're the only team in NBA right now with sixty wins. But my the guy that I want to parenthesize that I have it, it and this doesn't. I mean, I get one vote. So my vote's Budenholzer, <laughs> but this guy, I think his the coaching job that he did really does say something. He's not my favorite coach. But I think this it's been like I respect the shit out of his Doc Rivers. Uh, yeah, that and, was going to be the other name. And, and I know that you know we just talked about the Clippers, but it's like I I don't think that the, I don't think that management, upper management, and ownership came into the season uh, thinking With, they were going to making the playoffs or even wanting to make the playoffs. Yeah, I think Doc Rivers is is such a good leader and preparer, and you know, kind of like just um, a strong backbone for a team that he got these guys uh, motivated to win. And somehow this Clipper team made the, the NBA playoffs, which I think has got to be the most unlikely playoff team other than maybe the Nets. Uh, but it's it's just a big-time surprise. So I think Doc – and we've seen Doc Rivers hang banners. Yeah. So no more of that – Oh, well, Hang he, a banner, a banner. Uh, yep, he hung a banner. And, and it's like it's no more of this, oh, well, he had KG Ray out. Yeah. I think what this is shows how great of a coach he really is. Yeah, and, I mean, listen, at the end of the day, as much as I hate on the Clippers, it's like I got to give credit where credit is due. And Doc Rivers did a hell of a job with this team this year. Absolutely. And he ca- he really is what kept this team together. To to make the playoffs and your number one scorer is your, is your sixth man. Yeah. You know, and Montrez Harrell is another guy that's in the most improved uh, category. He should definitely be considered for most improved. Definitely, definitely another name you could throw into that. And and like I always say about Gallo, like I've said about Gallo, probably the last two three years is he really needed a a, a long consistent season where he was he able to stay healthy this year. And so he was able to do that. And I think some sucker is going to end up paying him way more money than he's worth. <laughs> All right, last award before we get out of here because my phone is blowing up about this Magic Johnson stuff. Uh, Executive of the year, I got to give it to Elton Brand for pulling off the Jimmy Butler trade and the Tobias Harris trade in the same season, keeping Philly in the hunt in the East. I think they're one of the favorites, obviously, to come out of the East in the finals uh, this year. Ultimately, I still think the Warriors are going to win it. But, I mean, what Elton Brand has done in his first year as GM – uh, of the Sixers is nothing short of remarkable keeping them in contention keeping the mantra of trust the process and and really guiding them through it and being a former player I can't think of a better person for these young guys in Philly to go to than someone like Elton Brand yeah for sure I think I think ultimately Elton Brand would get my vote as well um, just making moves before the season starts and at the trade deadline to me is always like a recipe for success even though you, you don't always want to blow up your team but i think if you're always trying to make your team better that's a good sign and to me like the raptors the bucks and the sixers all made moves before the season started and at and at the trade deadline you know getting pal gasols yep and and marcus <laughs> and uh and, and tobias harris's yeah and and all and 
you know, all these guys, it's just uh, they each really saw their opportunity when LeBron left. And they and and those three teams in particular, I think, went after it. Indiana doesn't can't necessarily do that, and Boston, I don't think necessarily wanted to do that because they had they had the best roster on paper when right. the season started. Right. So they didn't feel like they I don't think they felt like they needed to make a drastic move. Um but Philly, Toronto, and Milwaukee all pushed the envelope this year and but ultimately Philly wins out. Yeah, I mean if 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 you asked us at the start of the season, and I'm pretty sure this is what we had, we had probably Boston, Toronto, Philly, Milwaukee, one, two, three, I, four. I remember this actually because I had Boston, Philly, you had Boston, Toronto. Right. We flip flopped there, but we but, all had we all had Milwaukee as four. Right. And looking at the standings today with one two games left in the season, it's Milwaukee, Toronto, Philly, and Boston. Boston sitting in the four seed, not making any moves at the trade deadline. Philly, Toronto, and Milwaukee all made yep. stuff happen yep. throughout the season. Good moves, too. Slight moves, not necessarily dramatic moves. I mean, the Gasol one was – the Marc Gasol one was pretty drastic. But other than that, pretty, pretty like, just good, solid basketball moves. Yeah. All right. Uh, you got a shout-out before we get out of here? Um, I didn't have one prepared, actually. <laughs> All right, well. I was like, I thought I had one, but uh, no, nah, I don't. Okay, well, my shout-out, and I'm going to bring a little baseball into this, which I know you love doing. Uh, It's National League Player of the Week, Cody Bellinger. It was announced on Monday that he was National League Player of the Week for the last week. Uh, He's off to a hot start this season for the Dodgers after 11 games. He's leading the National League in batting average, home run, and RBIs. He's batting 435 with seven home runs and 19 RBIs. He also leads the league in home runs and is tied for first in the league with RBIs. The Dodgers are 8-3 and three to start the season, and they're in the second game of a three-game series with the St. Louis Cardinals. So Dodgers baseball off to a hot start. Uh, we definitely got to catch a game soon. April 20th. Uh, oh, yeah, that's <laughs> the- right. The Seattle Mariners are visiting Anaheim. Hey, I'm, I'm definitely trying to go. Seattle Mariners have the best record in MLB right now. They're ten and two. They're that, ten, they're it, ten only, and two. it only hurt, it only breaks my heart because I you know I know back home all these people are so excited and it's, it's, it's not, not going to end well. It's not going to happen. All right. So with that, that wraps up this episode of the Dude, GSK you, Show. Oh, I no, I better say this for another day. What? I better save this for another day. No, you already started. Well, I'm not ending the show. I, so I just, it. I just don't know if people have stopped listening at this point. But basically, what I was saying is, the Lakers are are have gotten they're they're like on the they're in the neighborhood of how I was feeling about the Mariners when I left the Mariner train. Oh no, oh no. <laughs> Six years of of no playoffs. I was starting to think about it. And I was like, uh, 2009 when I was working at Foot Locker, like 2008, 2009. That's when I really started hating the Mariners. And that was after seven, eight years of missing the playoffs. Oh, no. Nobody's safe out here. All right. With that, that wraps up this episode of the TSK Show. Don't forget, you can find us at TSK Show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you want to find myself or Tyler on social media, be sure to follow us at the Duke of Sports and at Tyler Pacholke. All of our content can be found on SoundCloud or Apple Podcasts. Check us out on Anchor as well. And we are now officially on Spotify. Just type in keyword TSK show to find us. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you decide to listen to the TSK show so you can stay up to date on the newest episodes of the show. 
We appreciate you all so much for listening. Stay tuned for the next episode of the TSK Show. Peace.